Well, welcome back, community group leaders, to the Deeper Podcast. Uh, my name is Jeremy Wynn, and I get to be the host, and we're here to help you, equip you, so you can lead your groups confidently. And we're here with Joe Hishma. Welcome back. Hey, Jeremy. Good to be back after Easter. Yes. How was the recovery? Uh Good. I, I felt it around uh, Monday morning. It felt like a bunch of bricks yeah. hit me. <laughs> but now I've got my weird ankle issue. So now it's working. Uh, I mean, I'm, and now it's working better today than it did yesterday. So I need I need to trust in Jesus every day of my life. Well, we're glad you're here. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, it was a wonderful weekend. Um, yeah. Good to be able to to worship with so many people, both in person, online, and be able to see many people that I haven't seen in, in a know. long time. I know. I talked to so many people who had not been here in over a year. Yeah. So it's been great. Yeah. It was so. really good. All right. Well, this week, we're in First John chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, and we're in—this is week 11 of our series. I think we've got two more after this for First John. Wow. So, Joe, what's going to be the, the big idea for this week? Okay, so the key word in this passage is overcome. Uh, another word for that is victory. Another word for that is conqueror. I mean, that's battle language, right? But um, we're going to see that Christ is the one who overcame, Christ the victor. And so our faith and trust in Christ is really what's going to determine, determine uh, whether or not we're victorious or not in, in life. And so I basically put out the object of your faith will determine your capacity to overcome. What you're putting your faith and trust in, that which receives um, your attention and your thoughts and your processing and your actions and is the motive for what you do, will ultimately determine whether or not you're, you'll overcome this world. Excellent. All right. Well, before we jump in, I've got a story to share uh, to be able to celebrate. We got a, a group, Amy Fuel and her community group. Uh, they spent a morning stuffing 40 gallon sized bags, 24 men, 24 women that uh, the rescue mission requested because we have there's people that are in homeless camps that street reach goes out and reaches to them. And they included deodorant, bar soap, washcloths, um, something I didn't know what it was, a P38 can opener, chapstick, low hand sanitizer, granola bars, band-aids, triple antibiotic ointment, combs, and so many things. And here was the quote that Amy gave, uh, which I just loved. She said, it was a fun morning and I am filled with so much joy. What a great day to sacrifice some of our time and show love for people like Jesus did. After all, he sacrificed everything when he died on the cross to save us mm -hmm. from our sins. On this day that we now call Good Friday, our group is praying that these bags will be multiplied and that they will be a true blessing to those who receive him. So Amy and her group, That's thank cool. you for loving your neighbor. Thank you for being just that example of sacrificial generosity. And I love that you're able to experience that joy in That's the midst right. of that. That's right. That's really cool. All right. Well, now, Joe, let's go to 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Could you read that for sure, us? Sure, I'd love to. 1 John chapter 5, verse 1 through 5, it says this. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. All right. So again, the big idea is the object of your faith 
will determine your capacity to overcome. So the beauty of being able to go through a book like First John from the beginning to the end is it's just one cohesive narrative, passage, story, epistle. And so in this, there, there's part of this passage that there's nothing that's explicitly new, but it reinforces a lot of the things that John's been talking about to this point. So one of the key words that we've seen throughout the whole book is the word abide. And Joe has talked about how when we say abide, we're talking about we're called to believe, we're called to love, and we're called to obey. And those are three key words that we see, especially at the beginning of the passage. So, you know, verse one and verse five, we see this call to believe that Jesus Christ has been born of God. And that's that foundation for our faith. And then we see in verses one and two, that call then to love. We're called to love the Father and love the children of God. And then in verse two, we see that call then to obey, and we're called to obey his commandments. So Joe, any, any thoughts you have on just kind of in the first couple of verses, how we see that continue to call to abide in those words of believe, love, and obey? Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of the tests that John gives for an authentic follower of Jesus. An authentic follower belie- uh, of, uh, excuse me, an authentic <laughs> follower of Jesus believes believes that Jesus is the Christ and is l- believing throughout their lives. And secondly, um, they love God, and so you're going to see that love, and then you're going to see obedience, right? You're going to sh- you're going to see the footsteps of Jesus, the character of Christ, in what they do and say, and even how they process life. Okay, so now let's go to verses 2 and 3, and something that you don't touch on in your sermon much that I want to talk about here, um, it says this, By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. So let's just talk about a little bit about obeying his commandments. So we know that um, I'm actually going to read a couple parallel passages because the Jewish leaders, when they had commandments they called people to follow, they were burdensome and heavy. So I want to just have some dialogue about, in this it says that, and his commandments are not burdensome. So we know that the gospel, it's not about things that we're called to do, but here Mm -hmm. he's calling to obey his commandments, but not have it be burdensome. So let me read what, on the flip side, was burdensome. So in Matthew 23, verse 4, it says this, They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others. So that's talking about the Pharisees and with the religious leaders and placing burdens on people. And then one final passage is then Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, talking about just the, the burden that was there for people to obey the Jewish commandments. So it says... And this is the flip side. Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So, Joe, just break down for us like the difference between obeying and the, doing these works of the Jewish commandments and the burdens yeah. there compared to the rest and the joy that we find by obeying yeah. God's commandments. So it's kind of a, a picture of either a relationship or legalism. Yeah. And the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, they were all bent on all these other rules and all the interpretation of the rules. And so they could do it so that they could control you 
and they would be the righteous religious ones because they would know the truth and practice the truth and call out the truth in you. Mm -hmm. So you were under their burden. You were under the weight of that. And the law even became that. And so when Jesus came, he fulfilled the law. There's nothing the law could point its finger at and say, you sinned. It didn't. He was, he was righteous. And so he defeated the, the power of the law in our lives. It no longer could control us like that. Yeah. And so, but, but he ultimately brings it down to ultimately a love for God, a love for each other is the picture. And so as we do those things, if, we're, if we follow God out of a love for him, my goodness, that frees us up beyond the law to love him and to give our lives to him and to seek who he is. And as we love our neighbor, um, it, it moves us not to just be obligatory towards a, a code of conduct, mm-hmm. but to love him as Christ has loved us. So it's a much purer form, yeah. but it also frees us from an obligation into an opportunity to love God and love each other. So if someone is still saying, man, I, I think I'm following Jesus, I'm doing my best, and I'm still feeling this burden. I'm not feeling the joy of obeying God's commandments. What, what would you recommend to, to help make it so that we're able to really take away that burden? I probably spent some time with that person just asking them to receive the love of God. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that they haven't received it in Christ when they put their faith and trust in Christ. I just think the love of God is something we need to receive every day of our lives. We need to do practices each day that remind us of the love of God flowing to our lives and that show us his forgiveness. And we need to confess our sins so that nothing stands between us. We need to walk in that confidence of, of knowing Christ and loving him. And then we need to pray for more love to love him. Mm-hmm. And as I have done that, it's interesting, I've moved farther away from legalism and self-righteousness and much more into dependence and love and sacrifice and humility. Yeah. Great. Okay, so now let's go to verses 4 through 5 and kind of get to the, the crescendo of the, the verse and part that you really land on a lot in your sermon. So John, he repeats who it is that overcomes the world. So in verse 4, we see, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. And then in verse 5, who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So he repeats twice that in order for us to be able to overcome the world, that victory, it comes in our faith in Jesus Christ, which goes back to our big idea of the object of our faith will determine your capacity to overcome. Yeah. So I know you talk about this a lot in your sermon, but anything you'd add to... Yeah, I just right bring you back to um, whatever you're trying to overcome uh, is going to be determined by where you're putting your faith. Mm-hmm. And if I think that I need to overcome my past, or I need to overcome um, a challenge, an, a financial challenge, or a health challenge, and I mean, where am I looking to overcome that? And it's, it will ultimately prove my trust. Where is my trust? And I think we have to begin with our greatest need, and that's the need of forgiveness yeah. and a need of the love of God in our lives. And when that one has answered, we can kind of work our back, way back. We can kind of reverse engineer all those other things that kind of give pictures of where we're placing our trust and significance and meaning, and, and then kind of allowing God to speak to those areas. Well, now let's go to some application questions. So here's some questions that hopefully you can take to your groups and it can hopefully bring some good discussion. So the first question is this. 
What do you do to practice the receiving of God's love in your life? Or I'll say that one more time. What do you do to receive the? Uh, what do you do to practice the receiving of God's love in your life? Okay. So we didn't want this to be a a list of hey, here's a bunch of things you need to do. We wanted this to be more reflective of, and how am I how am I resting? And how am I not being overburdened? How am I deepening that relationship with God and receiving God's love? So yeah. how how would you answer that? Well, great. You know, I think. Um we're shown so many things in Scripture that are beyond our full understanding. There are some things we can catch, but then we're also invited to think, and that's why we're given images in the Scriptures, to use our imagination to the greatness and the glory of God's love for us. And so there's different things I've done. Number one, when I wake up and I do uh, my time with God in the morning, I have, I always put down child of God right there. And that's one of the things I always remember. That's my first identity. Yeah. And that's the one that's most important because I only have one heavenly father yeah. and he loves me deeply yeah. and I want to receive that love. And then I do different things. It's really kind of crazy. If, it, if the sun's out, I'll try to just go outside my back door mm-hmm. and just receive the sun. <laughs> I mean, it's, I don't worship the sun. <laughs> don't get there, that, that. But the light of the sun hitting my life, you can feel the warmth of that. Yeah. And I think God wants to remind me with every rising of the sun that his love and light come into my life. Um, okay, I'm going TMI here, okay? But even when I'm taking a shower, I receive the water that falls over me as God's forgiveness. And I, I, re- I think of God's cleansing of my life through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. When I drink water, I, I think of God's satisfaction of my thirst for him, and I receive that love into my life. So there's so many different things that you can worship God all the time through normal routine things right. that can actually be kind of a routine for worship for him. So uh, That's great. And so I'll give a little different answer in the sense of not... Please you gave, do. You gave, Take you, our minds <laughs> off the shower. Okay. <laughs> you gave a lot of great, very practical examples. I would say for me, it starts even two steps before of... While what, you're sleeping, right? <laughs> <laughs> what what are the what are the things that I'm going to to say no to that are competing with my mind to distract me from yeah, having that time to receive the love of God? So for me, it can it can be easy to, you know, in all the different things you talked about, and when I'm out in the sun or in the shower or in a quiet time, whatever, to have my mind just racing, just be thinking about, okay, here's the things I've got to get done. I got five minutes left. I got to go do this, you know. And so you can get overwhelmed with all the things you got to get done. So you, so your time in the Word, yes. you get robbed from it because right. it's again, it's that next task of okay, I've got to do this, so then I can move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. So for me, it it starts with what are the things I'm going to intentionally say no to to create space in my life to be able to not be rushed, to be able to just enjoy that relationship, yeah, and not have it become a task. So sure, sure. that's that's kind of where that's it really starts good. for me. Yeah. They go they go hand in time hand, and you create the space for God's love in your life. That's really good, Jimmy. Yes. Okay, so here's the next question. And this one, it's uh it can be a little little more personal. So when you're at your worst, okay, and we all we're all broken, sinful, so we all have those moments where we are at our worst, we're not the the man, the woman that we want to be. Where where do you turn? Do you turn towards shame and guilt? Or do you restame or do you turn towards restoration and forgiveness? And you know, when you're asking this in your community groups, the answer is obviously both, right? So allow this to be an opportunity to go vulnerable and share, 
you know, here can be some tendencies or triggers that lead me to shame and guilt, or here are some times or some victories that we can celebrate of times that I've turned to restoration and forgiveness instead, or here's some things I'm wrestling with right now. So with that said, Joe, what, what does this look like in, in your life? Yeah, I mean, um, when I mess up or when I'm at my worst or I'm not the man I want to be, I think uh, the temptation there is to just go towards uh, who, you know, what kind of follower of, of Jesus does that, or even with my role here, you know, what pastor thinks that or says that, or... Yeah. Um, and it's usually when I'm doing a, to be honest, it's usually when I'm doing an odd job. I just stink at odd jobs, and I make a lot of mistakes, and I expect to get them done faster than I have the capacity to yes. do. And yeah. so I get so impatient with myself, and I say something I shouldn't say, or I think something, or I get so worked up... Yeah. And in those times, I just try to divert, and, and I really should invite God into that. Yeah. And I should go, Lord, you have overcome this. You have overcome this, and you want to overcome this in my life. And so I, in my weakness, I need to trust you. And what that has helped me do is pray even before I do an odd job. Yeah. Lord, I want to reflect you even when no one's here. Yeah. I want to worship you through this odd job. And it's amazing how the number of those occurrences and impatient acts or words come out when I'm cognizant of God's presence with me, and that I stand as his child. I'm not condemned by him. So I think this is something I'm I'm working on in my own life, because I... I tend to try to skip the phase of shame and guilt. Okay. So what I mean, what I mean by that is this: you know, obviously, do dumb things, things that I don't want to, that I'm not proud of, that the man I don't want to be. But I can tend to try to ignore it, move past the shame and guilt, and just get to okay. Let's work on making sure I don't do that same thing in the in the future. Yes. I don't really work through the process, and so sure. one of the big things that's been helpful is just not only having the Holy Spirit con- taking time for the Holy Spirit to convict. Okay, where are the places <clears> that I am. I'm having blind spots, and but then also having my wife, having um, you know some of the the team leads on staff, giving them permission to speak in my life and share yeah. things. Yeah. And and as I've done that, it's like, oh, there's things that I've overlooked or I didn't see and I didn't realize. And then I've got to do the hard work of figuring out, okay, where is the shame and guilt in that? So you know, all of us when we we're at our worst and we're in that condemnation. You know, some of us are going to go to to guilt and thinking, oh, I shouldn't have done this, and just, you know, swirling in your head and and just allow it to paralyze you. Some are going to shame, and it's going to go back to renaming yourself of yeah. instead of being a child of God, <clears throat> I'm whatever, I'm a liar or a failure or whatever it yeah. might be. Some are going to want to do what I do, just ignore it, get <clears throat> past it. We're going to move forward and not think about it. Sure. But ultimately, we want to get to that place of where we can use our advocate, we can confess and we can restore and allow forgiveness to happen. And that's wow. the beauty of the gospel. It's the beauty of First of John, what it's, what it's talking about here. Yeah. So, I mean, what you were just sharing there is very typical of someone who's not wanting to deal with the emotions of it because they don't value or see emotions as anything that God would honor. Yeah. And I think it's good to slow down in that and uh, understand the emotions that are driving you. Yeah. And so that you can allow God then to lead those emotions. Right. Uh, otherwise, you just skip, and you skip. And I've done that, man. Yeah. I've 
man, I even, uh, Cheryl and I in our marriage, when things were busy, we would just skip emotions to do the next thing. And there was always enough on our schedules to skip our emotions. And we realized that we really didn't understand each other well. And we didn't, uh, we weren't able to speak into each other when we didn't do our emotions. So God is really helping me in that area too. Thanks for sharing that. You bet. And thank goodness for the Holy Spirit and a wife who uh, is... Not that way. Yeah. <laughs> so she balances me out very well. Yes. All right. Well, can you pray for yeah, our group? I'd love to. And yeah. I just want to let you know, I'm praying for you this week as you lead in your groups. Um, we're not just trying to understand this passage. We're trying to live transformed because of the Spirit's role in our passage, which means we're able to share who we are and what God is doing in our lives, what He's teaching us, but not just what He's teaching in us, how He's moving in us. So... Feel, feel free to share not only the truth of this passage, but also the relational aspect of this passage of how God is working on you. And you can only do that through vulnerability. So let me just pray for that. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for naming us. Thank you for leading us. And I pray that you lead each one of these community group leaders to a deeper walk with you. And I pray for their groups, that each of the people in their group would know that they're loved by you, that we would remind each other of the name you have given us, your beloved, and that we would live in authentic lives that build trust of you and each other as we grow in a thriving, joyful relationship with you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, two final announcements before we break. So first is ShareFest, and we've been talking about this in the services and in podcasts, but we still need about 300 people. And Monday is the deadline if you want a t-shirt. You can register beyond that, but Monday's the deadline for the t-shirt. And the other thing is the sites are first come, first serve. So if you and everyone at your site want to serve together, go online, register uh, sooner rather than later so you can get that spot, and make sure, have a plan. Maybe you have a laptop or or, you know, flip up your phone and just have everyone right there while you guys meet in your group, sign up and register. That's most effective, by the way. Have everybody grab their cell phones and yep. sign up because each person has to do it individually. Yep. Make sure you're all at the same location. Yep. And just see what you can bring to make that a, a successful day as you do that. Thanks, yeah, everyone. Absolutely. And we're just excited to have so many churches partnering together and be able to just, uh, serve our city with no strings attached. It's a wonderful opportunity. Okay, the final thing is just to save the date. Warren Wilson sent an email about this, but on May 22nd from 9 to 11 in the morning, we're going to be having an all-leader training, and we want you to be there. Even if you don't plan necessarily to be there in person, this training is going to be helpful for you and your group long-term. We're bringing in Bob Clifton to help come in and help us just process through and work through just some core things about uh, relationships and loving one another and caring for each other and and some different things that we, I think, we're all working through right now. But a part of Warren's email, there was a survey, and we want to tailor that training to specifically what you need and where your groups are at. So if you could fill that out, that's going to help us to make that training as helpful for you. So we look forward to seeing you on May 22nd. So with that, thank you for joining us for the Deeper Podcast. Hope hope this has been helpful for you as you shepherd and lead your groups this week. We're praying for you. God bless. Bye-bye.